0: Hey, it's great to have everybody here from Grace in One Location. Thank you uh, for doing it. Thank you, Westfall Church, for hosting us. Uh, I spent most of the summer here, actually, at this location, and God is just doing a great work here, so it's awesome to be here. Thank you, Grace Live. Those were actually broadcasting live from this location, so thank you those watching on Grace Live. I know we have people in the military and State Department, and people just move a lot because it's such a transient area, so we thank those who tune in every week, especially Sarah Smith from Valdosta, Georgia for watching today. Thank you very much. Anyway, we're talking about life in the fast lane and uh, we're going to talk about anxiety and uh, stress. A number of years ago, I was hopping into my family's stress mobile. We call it the minivan, right? And we had the kids and you know, it's just a, it's, it's like a tornado inside the minivan. It's just crazy. And I remember we pulled up into our driveway. And I jump out of the car, and I was saying to the kids, "Come on, let's go, 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 let's go, let's go," you know. And I'm trying to hurry them up like a mother hen in the ducklings, right? And my daughter, as often happens, you know, the kids say the most profound things. She turned around to me, looked up with those just big innocent eyes, and she said, "Dad, what are we, what are we in a hurry for?" And it made me think, nothing we had nowhere to go. We had no appointments. It was a Saturday afternoon. We had absolutely nothing to do. But I'm so caught up in the stress of this nation, because this nation leads the world in stress. This is the most anxious nation on the face of the earth. What a distinction to have. Uh, Max Lucado, as an author, says this. He said, you know, if anxiety was an Olympic event, the United States of America would win gold every single time. And this nation, obviously, swimming in stress, but you are here in Washington, D.C. And I would think, that, to say this, that Washington, D.C. is the deep end of the stress pool. Does anybody agree with that? I, we just, I know other parts of the nation, there's a lot of stress, but I think there's a, Like, we're swimming in the deep area here. So we're going to go for the next four weeks on this really relevant topic. Of stress, It is the number one mental health problem for women. It's number two for men, second only to alcohol and drug abuse. So this is a really relevant topic, and we're going to get very practical in this series. What we want to talk about is things that we can do. There is something we can do. The one thing I hope you'll leave here with today is there is something you can, you are not a victim of the stress of Washington, D.C. You're not helplessly sitting back and saying, you know what, there's nothing I can do. You know, stress just happens. That's all there is to it. There is something all of us can do do about the stress level that we experience in this phenomenal city. So I want to focus on Philippians chapter 4. Verses four to nine. We're going to anchor. We're going to put our anchor of hope. Like we're going to anchor in this and hope that we can just pull our way out of some stress. That we can reduce our stress levels by focusing the next four weeks on this incredible letter to the church at Philippi, because it's really so much about having joy and feeling less stress. So I'm going to read you these verses, and then I'll just remind you. You know, for the next four weeks, if you want to find a place to anchor and read over and over about scriptures on stress, this is the place to do it. So here we go. This is what it says. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, that's what we want, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. we we'll have going spend a lot of time talking about our minds in this series because it leads to habits. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. There's the habits. There's the habits, the mind to the habit. And the God of peace will be with you. Do you know what is the most highlighted book of all the books that are on Kindle? So you got a Kindle and you see a section of a book. What is the most highlighted book of all the books that are on Kindle? It's the Bible. The Bible is the most highlighted book that is on Kindle. Do you know what the most highlighted passion passage of the most highlighted book is on Kindle? You just read it. It's Philippians chapter 4. This is something that people who are reading Kendall highlight more than any other portion of any other book that we find. So it's highly relevant. This is the most highlighted passage in the most highlighted book that we find on Kindle. Be anxious for nothing. Some of you, I know many of you are on that texting thing that I, I send out, uh, and this is what I'm going to focus on the next four weeks. Just inspiration and help and habit, new habits forming that will reduce our stress in our life. So be prepared. It is coming. In any given year, 50 million Americans will suffer a panic attack They'll feel dizzy or lightheaded, they will fear crowds, they'll avoid people, or they will feel like their chest is tightening. And maybe some of you have felt that before. As a result of anxiety, worry, and stress, that's what what it has on us, right? $300 billion in the United States of America will be spent on medical bills or in lost productivity as a result of anxiety and stress. It is having a huge role. Let me ask you these questions as we begin, right? Are you feeling more stressed recently? Do you find yourself laughing less? Do the people around you who know you best, do they find you becoming more critical and negative? If you ask somebody, maybe somebody in this room, who knows you really well and says, you know what, do you think I'm becoming more negative and critical? How do you think they would answer that question? Do you tend to downplay good news and inflate bad news? You might be suffering from stress. Do you magnify the negative and dismiss the positive? Do you assume that something bad is gonna happen? These are all signs that somebody is feeling stressed or they're just a hyper negative critical person whether it might be the word anxious in Philippians chapter 4 verse number 6 the section we're going to focus on that word in Greek means to be pulled in two different directions you're pulled so be anxious about nothing is saying this don't allow yourself in your mind to be pulled in two different directions there's a direction you can go mentally that is stress reducing and there's a direction you can go mentally that is stress inducing and what Paul saying here in this letter to the Philippians is that there are habits, there are mental habits that lead us to practical habits in our life that will decrease our stress. And the choice is ours. We can make a choice. We have the power here today to affect our stress levels. This city doesn't have to assault us with all of its Stress. What I did in preparation for this series is I wanted to read some best-selling books on stress, ones that were not Christian, weren't church, weren't religious. They were just straight-up secular books. I wanted to know, so I picked out two, two of the best-selling secular books on stress. I wanted to know what what are they saying. And you know, repeatedly, what they came to. They came to the battle is in our minds. The same thing that Paul is saying here to the church in Philippi. It is in your mind. What are you thinking about? If your mind is pulled in one direction, that's stress-inducing, you're going to feel stressed, but if you follow what Paul is saying here, even the secular book, even the secular research is saying that here is the way to go, all right? It's all about our beliefs. So what Paul begins with at the beginning of this letter to the Philippians is, it's in our minds, it's in our beliefs. It's very important what we believe. Before we can change how we are responding to all the anxieties of this city, we must adjust our beliefs about life itself. So here's the first fill in the blank, if you'd like to fill things in on the back of that bulletin. Belief precedes behavior. It all starts with your thoughts. It all starts with your beliefs because belief precedes behavior. You don't change your behavior and change your belief. You change your belief first, and then it works its way out into your behaviors. You know, on the back of an airplane, right? On the back of an airplane, the tail of an airplane, there's like this wing, but it's actually not a wing. It is a wing, but it's not a wing. It's it's an external stabilizer. And it's there, so all the turbulence of the airplane, that the airplane will stay stable because all that turbulence and all the chaos going on outside and all the wind, that that airplane will be stable. It's an external stabilizer on the outside. And here's the thing. We are in a city with a lot of external chaos. And because we're in a situation with a lot of external chaos, that means our internal stabilizers have to be all the more strong. You think about this, everybody, 200, 300, 400, 500 years ago, people didn't have that many options about life. Isn't it great to live in the day that we're living? We have a lot of options. We can move around. We have choices about work. Three or 400 years ago, you know, if my dad and my granddad and my great-granddad were a baker, you know what I'm doing? I'm baking, I'm baking. I'm a baker, that's all That's all I'm doing, right? And I'm living in the same house that they lived in. So there's a tremendous amount of consistency. And because of all those external stabilizers are strong, you know what happens as a result of that? I feel, even though it's so much better to live the day, I feel less stressed. So there's a natural thing that's going on. We live in a day and age where things are moving so fast and there's so much changing. You have so many options. But as a result of all that good stuff, There is anxiety, because our anxiety levels are actually ramping higher. Even though we're safer than ever before, we're healthier than we've ever been before, we are noticing anxiety levels are just shooting right through the roof. Why would that be? Because there's tremendous anxiety. So we've got to get what's going on on the inside. The internal stabilizers have to be strong. And that's where Paul starts. What do you believe? What does God want you to believe? What's important? What does Paul start his whole letter with that's so important for us to take a look at here? Okay, he says this. First of all, there's a promise. There is a promise. God wants to believe that there is a promise. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, the very beginning of this letter, this is what it says. I am convinced and I am confident. I am both convinced and I am confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect it and complete it. Do you know what a key factor is? There's, There's a number of factors in people's lives who are successful people. If you want to be more successful, I'm going to tell you probably one of the things that are way at the top right now. So if you're interested in being successful, here's one of the very top key factors. You complete stuff. You got a pile on your desk. You don't take it down 95% of the way. You actually go all the way till you get to your desk. You totally, and that's what successful people do. They totally complete things. You want to be more successful tomorrow? Just start completing stuff. And the odds are totally in your favor that you'll become successful. And what God is saying is here, God's pretty successful. God's very successful. And God says, I have started a work in you and I fully intend to complete it. That's a promise God makes to you. Because some of us here this morning saying, like, you know what? I feel like I'm unfinished business. I feel like I'm going to die at the end of my life. I'm gonna, God's only going to be 50% done with me. And God's saying to us, here's a promise I am making to you today. You can take it to the bank. I fully intend and I will complete the work that I start in you. The first P is for promise. God has made a promise to you. The second one is this. There's a plan. There's actually a plan in place. He says this, Philippians chapter 1. I'll read the verse, then I'll try to explain it. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. So Paul's been arrested. He's not happy about being arrested he was arrested on false charges. It was wrong what had happened to him. And so here he is, he's arrested. He should feel pretty down about that. But you know why he says later in the, in the letter that I have learned to be totally content, that I'm not stressed out and I'm not anxious. I actually have learned peace and contentment because he knows that God has a plan. So even though things are really bad and he's thrown in jail for false charges and he's experiencing something that he doesn't like, he says, you know what, there's a plan in place. Do you realize that the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, Rome, had set its sights on Christianity. So we're going to stamp this out. We're going to get rid of, get rid of Peter and Paul both. We are going to eliminate them. We're going to, we're going to martyr them, right, and get rid of them forever. They had set their sights. Rome had set its sights against Christianity, against Peter, and against Paul. And so what Paul says here at the end of this, verse number 13, the whole, what is he saying? He's saying God is accomplishing his plan. Actually, the work of Christ Jesus in this world, the good news about Christ in this world, even though they're trying to stop it, even though the most powerful nation on the face of the earth is trying to stop it, it is continuing on because the whole palace guard knows. Now look what he says at the very end of the entire letter. This is his sign-off to the letter. All God's people here send you greetings. All God's people send you greetings, especially those who belonged to Caesar's household. Even Caesar's own household, there was a plan. You and I are worried. Is the plan ever going to come to pass? God, are you doing anything with my life? I'm stressed. When you think that there is no plan in place for you, that is a stressor. That ups your anxiety. But when you read verses like this, Paul who Rome had set its sights again. And Paul says, no, 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 there is a plan. Actually, they tried to stop it, but now even Caesar's household and eventually Christianity in some ways, you could say, toppled the entire Roman Empire, the most powerful nation. That's pretty amazing. Peter and Paul were nothing. They were like the scum of the streets of Rome. And you know what's fascinating today? Today we name our dogs Caesar and Nero, and we name our kids Peter, Paul, and Mary. Isn't that fascinating? There is a plan that is in place, and God has a plan in place for you. And when you believe that promise, right, that there is a promise and there is a plan, it is a stress reducer. Last one, there is a purpose. He says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God has a purpose for you. If you don't think that God has a purpose for you, it's going to stress you out. You can't tell people, large amounts of people, for year after year after year after year, that there's no purpose for your life. There's no purpose from your existence. Where you came from is totally random. There's nothing. There's nothing back there. It's random. You came into this world totally random. There's no purpose of your existence. There's no purpose for your future, right? There's nothing out there. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. And eventually you have to have the courage to say, "If there's nothing there and there's nothing there. That means there's nothing here. And you have to realize there's really no purpose for me being here. And what psychologists would tell you, you just can't all of a sudden create your own purpose. It's got to come from something outside of you. And when that happens, what you notice is anxiety levels just go up. The anxiety levels of our children today are flying through the roof. Number one issue going on with our teens today and young people today is anxiety. It is through the roof. The average child today has the same anxiety level as a psychiatric patient from the 1950s. Think about that. What God is saying is is there is a promise, there's a plan, and there's a purpose for your life. And you have a choice to make. You can choose to fill your life with stress by saying, no there's, no, there's no promise for me, there's a plan. There might be one for you, it might be one for somebody sitting next to me, but it's not for me. That will just fill you with stress. Or you could latch on to what Paul is calling us to believe in as an internal stabilizer in a chaotic, fast-changing world, and that is, is there's a promise for me, there's a plan for me, And there is a purpose for my life. So what we're going to do in the next four weeks is we're going to study this proven plan that is here in Philippians chapter 4 specifically. And we're going to take a step. And we're going to use the word calm because we all need to calm down, right? We're going to use the word calm. And each week we're going to fill in a different letter in this four-step plan. So it all starts with this today. Here's the first step that's guaranteed to work. It's guaranteed to reduce stress in your life. Celebrate something this week. The C stands for celebrate something. This week in your life says the guy who's writing from a roman prison cell chained to a roman guard He says rejoice always i'll say it again because it's so important Rejoice there is always something in your life and my life to be stressed about and there's always something to celebrate No matter what you're going through There's always something in your life to be stressed about and there's always something to, to celebrate and you have to choose wisely so here we are at West Falls Church, you know, in Arlington. One of the the reasons kind of that just pushed us, we thought about starting another location for many years, but one of the reasons that pushed us over the edge is we lost 250 parking spaces almost overnight at Thomas Jefferson Middle School. Do you think that was a stressor for me? (laughs) Do you think that made me stay awake at night? Do you think that threw me over the edge? Man, it did. And I tell you what, when I hear stories about people coming to visit Grace for the first time and they're wandering around the construction site at TJ, that causes me to stay up at night. When I hear stories about people who can't find the front door at TJ where we come in now, when I hear stories about people saying, you oh, man, that walk is so long. When I hear stories about people walking up and down Glebe Road because they can't find the entrance to TJ, I just want you to know something about me that stresses me way out. Because I just take it all personal. And it keeps me I just freak out about that. Now, I, I can choose. Here's the pull of my mind. I can choose to focus this way about all the stress-inducing stuff. I can't believe it. I get really critical. This is over. There's no plan. It's just going to be terrible. I can grovel. My wife says, grow up, be a man, stand up. You know, All of those things. I can do that. I can do that. Or I can turn this way and just focus on the good stuff that's there. I can focus on the great people. I say this all the time. Some of the greatest people I know in this city go to Grace Community Church. I could choose to focus on that. And that's a stress reducer for me. A few weeks ago, we had some people visiting, uh, visiting Grace. And they actually, they've been in ministry their entire life. You know what they said after they were at Grace? They said, and I hear this time after time after time after time. People say, you know what? Gosh, I got to tell you the first, my first impression of Grace Community Church. Here's my first impression. You guys have great people. You guys have exceptional people. Look, I can focus on the construction. <laughs> I can I, I could do that. <laughs> and that would be a stress reducer for my choice. The choice is mine and the choice is yours. There's always something to be stressed about and there's always something to celebrate. And if you celebrate, if you have gratitude in your heart, if you are grateful, it will reduce your stress even in the deep end of the pool, which is Washington, D.C. It's a habit that will reduce your stress, all right? This does not come naturally to me. It doesn't. Some people are just really upbeat and positive and happy and grateful. I need you to know that's not me. And that might not be you. But we can hold each other accountable for these next four weeks, and we can lower our stress level. Now, an attitude of gratitude is not just a platitude. An attitude of gratitude is not just a platitude. You know what a platitude is. A platitude is an interesting thought. Oh, yes, thank you, John, for telling me that. I should celebrate. Ha, that's a good perspective on it. I choose not to believe it, but whatever, buddy. Go for it. There is actual scientific research that backs all of this up. So Paul says it, the Bible says it, all kinds of writings that you can read books about stress and blah, they will say it. But I want to read you something from a professor from Columbia University who actually did some scientific research on an attitude of gratitude. They said this: the people for whom gratitude is more than a trait, than a state. A state is something you just pass through. You're passing but it's a trait because it's who you are. For the for the person for the people whom gratitude is more of a trait than a state, we see those people tend to be healthier. They tend to be happier. They tend to have stronger social connections and stronger relationships. There is some evidence that people who are more optimistic or who are more grateful, have a more grateful attitude, have higher immune functioning. That's pretty powerful. There is something all of us can do. There's a better lane that all of us can travel down. If we will choose to celebrate something, rejoice over something, be grateful for something, it is a matter of of choice there are things in our lives there are things in our lives that are stress inducing and there are things in our lives that are stress reducing when psychologists looked at soldiers from world war ii they found some very important information as it comes to stress and this is this is important to us today and our focus here because there's something we can do what they realized is the ground troops in world war ii after 60 days of combat they were Im- they thought you know my goodness any second i have no control over the situation i'm just going to die and their stress levels were absolutely through the roof. They compared that to fighter pilots. And what they found with fighter pilots is this even though a fighter pilot's life was a flip of a coin, only 50% of them came back because 50% were killed in the line of duty flying it. 93% of them said they were very happy with their assignment. They were filled, they felt good about their assignment. They charged right out there. Fighter pilots whose lives were a flip of a coin. Flip of a coin. And you know why? Because the ground troops in the field felt they had no power whatsoever over what happened to them. But what did the fighter pilot have? What did he have? He had the controls in his hand. They had controls in their hands. And they felt they determined their own fate. If you're sitting here today and you thinking, you know what, life is just happening to me. I'm not going to happen to life. Life is just totally happening to me. I have no control. You're completely wrong. And if you think that way, you're going to feel more stressed out. But if you take the controls in your hand and say, you know what, I'm going to celebrate something this week. I'm going to choose when something comes up, when something comes up this week, I know there's a fork in the road and I can choose to be grateful for it or I can choose to be ungrateful for it. I'm going to choose the path of gratefulness and so I'm going to find something to celebrate in my life and what's going on rather than to be stressed about it. I'm going to choose. The power is in our hands. It's not just random. This is a proven and practical plan. It's What I love about the Bible, everybody, it is proven and it is just so practical. It works. And like I said, I read all this. I read a couple secular, best-selling secular books. They are saying the exact same thing. So it's cool that it's proven. It's cool that it's practical. But the last thing is it's powerful. It's powerful because when you do this, this is God's will for your life. You're throwing your life like you have to get your car in alignment. You're aligning yourself with God's will for your life by celebrating, by rejoicing. This is what Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. It's a habit that brings us in alignment with God. It's a habit that reduces stress in our life, right? Belief precedes behavior. So I want to read something to you. It's been around a very long time. Some of you are going to recognize it right away. But here's what it says, right? All starts in the mind. It all starts with your belief. It all starts with your thinking. It'll change your life. It'll change your destiny. Sow a thought. Reap an action. Sow an action. Reap a habit. Sow a habit. Reap a character. Sow a character. Reap a destiny. Some of us here in this room and some watching on Grace Live right now, you're going to make a decision this week. You're going to choose to celebrate rather than choose to stress yourself out. You're going to choose to be grateful. You're going to make that choice. It's going to become a habit, and it's going to change your destiny. You're going to find your own life all of a sudden because you chose to celebrate that it's going to affect your life in profound ways. And who knows where you're going to end up as a result. The choice is ours. We can create a new lane for ourselves. I want to end with this. Um, I had to go to the dentist this past week, the dentist. And I really don't enjoy going to the dentist uh, a lot. I don't like the drills. I don't like the uh, long needles. I don't like the little spiky things that they... There, inside there. I really don't like it when all the hands are inside of your mouth at once and they're telling, wider, 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 (laughs) you know? And you just feel like, hmm, man, I'll show you wider, you know what I'm saying? just... (laughs) And then sometimes the instruments, they get caught right in between the teeth and your lip. Has that ever happened to you? And they're, I'm like, oh, no. And they're you know, like, yeah, it's okay. It's no, it's not okay. Right? <laughs> so I have, I just, so I, I, my anxiety level's already up. When you say dentist, there's a spike in me. There's an immediate spike in me. All right, couple that with the fact that I had a very traumatic experience at a dentist's office a number of years back. It was very bad. I'd, I'd gone in. It was a brand-new brand dentist to me, right? Brand-new dentist, brand-new hygienist, the whole thing. And so the hygienist was there, you know, and getting ready to do their stuff with all the pokey things. You know, they had started, but now they're, they're coming in. And they asked a question. I'm there with my mouth open. They got the real sharp objects. And they're getting ready to come in. It says, so what do you do for a living? It was really hard, you know, to talk. But but they'll seem. So this past week, the dentist talked to me for two hours straight, you know. I developed my listening habits. But anyway, this thing that happened to me in the traumatic experience a few years back, they're coming in with the sharp objects, and they they said to me, so what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a pastor. And I thought maybe that would be a good thing. That was a bad thing. And they looked at me, they looked at me behind the little thing. I could see their eyes squint, I couldn't see them, you know, but looked at me, the eyes squint, and they said, I hate pastors. And then they dove in. And the reason they hated pastors is because they were getting married to somebody, and a pastor, actually in a premarital counseling session, broke them up with their fiance. So as they're telling me this story, as they're digging, and, and as they're telling, you know, there's there's a lot of anger and, and you know energy there, really caused So so my my anxiety is really real So I had to go to the dentist on Monday. So I go in there, right? Two hours, everybody. Two hours. Two people, four hands, all instruments inside of my mouth wide for two hours, wide open. It was, it was excruciating. I'm sitting there the whole time. I hate this. And at one point, they called another person to come in. So now we got three people, six hands, six instruments, all inside of here, working and stretching and poking and prodding and shooting stuff inside of me. And of course, I knew I was speaking about this subject today. So it made me think, man, gosh, I've got to, you know, at least if I'm going to stand up and speak, I've got to try to be honest about this whole thing. What, What in the world could I be grateful about? You know what I began to think about for those two hours in that chair with my mouth hanging wide open and all the sharp objects? I said, Lord, thank you so much for modern dentistry. What would be happening to me if I was in a dentist chair 200 years ago? Huh? Lord, I want to thank you so much for modern dentistry. I want to thank you for that very long needle that carries the Novocaine. So I can't feel it, you know, when they're doing their work or whatever they're doing because years ago they would just take a pair of pliers and rip that tooth. Thank you. We live in such a great time. Thank you for the little numbing stuff they put on my gum before they put the long needle and shot the Novocaine in there. Thank you for the little sunglasses they put on my face or the lights. I mean, thank you that they keep asking me and touching me. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? I can only imagine what it was like 200 years ago, right? They probably just punch you in the face, knock you out, and rip the tooth out. This is so great we live in such a great day there's always something to celebrate and there's always something to 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 be stressed about and what i want to encourage you what more importantly god wants to encourage you with what the bible wants to encourage you with is this week for everybody in this room thank you god that even though there's many things for us to get stressed about there's a bunch of stuff Celebrate something right now because i'm just celebrating that um god has just shown me through this this last hour that i need to call my dentist and cancel my next appointment I don't know about you. This was great. If you got nothing else out of it, I mean, you know, um, you know in all seriousness, it, we are in celebration mode today. And um, so we are going to, we got a cookout. We've got a team of folks that have already been grilling out a bunch of stuff. We're going to, we're going to throw down. If you've got a chance to, to hang out afterwards and enjoy some food, make sure parents, you pick up your kids first. Okay. I know you're excited about the food, get your kids first and then, and then come outside.